I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the 2018 MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our review of round 23 and preview of round 24. This episode is brought to you by Fantasy Budget Analytics, a division of Petkey Financial. Uh, no, no, wait, wait. Um, actually, brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the fantastic subreddit community of r slash MLS. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and tonight I'm joined by usual co-hosts, Michael Denton and Blaine Riffle, but we'd also like to welcome our very special Patreon guest, Jessup Gage, aka Law Dogs FC, and I believe if memory serves me, Jessup, 2017 league winner? Uh, yeah, that's right, um, and actually, if I um, can make a, a request for next year, Last year, I was not the top point scorer, but we were in a head-to-head format, and yes. uh, so I did pull it out. Uh, this year, we're, we're, we're in an overall oh, point format for that league, and I'm not winning, so I blame it on the format. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that the Patreon format this year for the, the league was due to just some experimentation with the changes of overall league structures yeah. as well. So knowing, knowing better how to react to this new season, uh, I think all of us will be able to make some modifications for next year. Yeah. Uh, well, welcome, guys. How are you doing tonight? Doing okay. Doing okay. Doing well. Doing great. Fantastic. Well, uh, it's the fall season. It started round twenty-three. Let's review and see how everything happened. Let's start with uh, your team scores, but most importantly tonight, guys, I think I also want you to point out your value gains, Mike. Uh, I did pretty okay on the value, um, or at least, I mean, I felt like I was doing well until I talked to Blaine and he made me feel bad about myself. Um, so I'll let Blaine make you feel bad about yourself in a second. But uh, I got 91 points, um, which was good for 290th overall. Uh, I'm up to 140, excuse me, 104.1 uh, for the budget, uh, which was pretty good considering I had a zero in there with Moderita. Um I don't know how he got a zero, but he did. And but he but he got a point. Uh, excuse me, a value increase because this price system is so much fun. But uh, yeah, not too bad. Uh, the, I mean, my main thing was I captained Valeri, so that worked out well for me, and I was able to get like decent returns from everybody else. So, um, and I got some bench players who I saw had played the week before, guys like Fisher from DC and Felipe from uh, San Jose, and they played again and. When you're at that low, pretty much if you play, you get a price increase. So uh, that that worked out to get me a little bit extra cash. So that I put me over the 104 mark. Jessup, uh, I did not. I did not do quite as well as Mike uh, on the score. I had 88 overall, uh, but I did just a little bit better than him on uh, my point or my 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 money value. Uh, I went up to 104.2, I believe. Um, I, one of the things I think we'll talk about later is this, you know, the budget change, which really hit me hard. I had some family in town this weekend, was not checking lineups and I did not have enough budget or did not make enough room in my team, uh, with my budget to have bench players. And I actually, uh, had 
Giovanni Dos Santos in my starting lineup and did not see he wasn't playing. So I had an empty spot in my roster. Uh, that really hurt, uh, but, you know, still walked away with 88 points, which was not bad uh, given the uh, uh, mistake there. And had some other good players that did well. Had Joseph, uh, Joseph Martinez, Captain Morales, who did okay, um, and did have Valeri, even though I didn't captain him. So got by with a decent score after having a hole in my lineup. Blaine? Yeah, so I guess I got the best of both worlds. I got 97 points, and I'm up to 105.4 on the value. Um, I did not run any bench options, so that's point one away from a perfect increase on the 11 players that played going up that half million. So no complaints here. I really did pick my lineup based on previous performances and who I thought had good chances. Um, uh, Svensson and Silva, um, Marcelo Silva from uh, RSL, both somehow managed to get the full 0.5 increase despite a three and a four on their showing. Um, honestly, this wasn't as good as it could have been. I tinkered a little bit at the last minute and I dropped Valeri in order to bring in Joseph Martinez because I really like that one, but that allowed me to bring in a couple more guys that brought me value. I think, um, Alejandro Silva from Montreal, Montreal was in that list of guys I brought in as a in that deal and he got the point four and i don't think i can't remember who i had before but i don't think i was looking at getting the full point five point four value increase so i traded off value um who would have known morales who was my initial captain pick was gonna score less than valeri this week but really happy i moved the arm bad to martinez when i brought him in uh, i guess that leaves me getting the worst of both worlds i got 81 points which i thought was pretty decent for uh for a starting score, and uh, I got 3.4, I think, value inc increase. Um, I had one scrub player who didn't change. I had uh, Watts, who did not play for Houston, who didn't change, though I bet he'll be playing next week. Um, <laughs> I had three guys who lost value. Most of them clearly gained value. I had, a, I had a little mishap with my captain because I saved my team, and I didn't have a captain at all. And I noticed it only after the Toronto Atlanta game started. So I had intended to captain Martinez the whole time and I had nobody. Uh, so the little, little fluke there with, with the, the round switch over. So I ended up going with Barrios um, seven points from that. So no, I mean, not, not awful. Um, otherwise, I mean, just, it was okay. I had a uh, Tajori. I switched. I was talking with Mike before, before everything locked. And I said, man, Mike, I think I figured out a way where I can get an Atanella, Gonzalez, Kiparu, and upgrade tighter to Piotti. And after seeing Piotti play really well, that I thought in the All-Star game, I was like, I could see him getting some some good results against DC. And so I pulled that trigger, and I brought in Atanella, I brought in Piotti, and wish I'd kept tighter. So uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda with that one. But um, pretty decent, I think, overall. 81. Um Overall ranks, I'm 99, so I'm already doing better than I was last season. Just to finish 102, uh, not not a bad place. If you look at the people who are leading the overall ranks right now, I don't know if you guys have looked at that yet. It's all of the the Portland Timber homers. Yeah, sorry, everybody <laughs> out there. Um, you guys did did fantastic this round. Uh, very pleased with the points that I got from Portland, Philadelphia, putting up uh, a B B plus squad, getting ready for the Open Cup. Uh, but you guys did well. Congrats on your team. See if you can hold on to it because you might need some more diversity 
going forward. Um, <laughs> though, I mean, you guys aren't losing. So maybe maybe you've got this figured out. And I do kind of like Portland next week as well for some defensive options. But uh, that's the our results. Hope you guys had some good value gains. I think um, I think we had the good range between three and five points. It's where you should have been shooting for for a value gain. Uh, myself on the lower end, Blaine, obviously gangbusters on the higher end. Um, that three to four, three to five would be a good spot going into this next round uh, to give you some more options to be able to have some more high value players if you want. Though my article, I did say you may want to do at least another round or two trying to build your budget so you can really start just bringing in those big number guys. Uh, game takeaways for me, just a few, then I'll let you guys talk. And a lot of it's just just kind of business as usual. It was a crazy round, though, with all of these draws and just comebacks and just r ridiculous results. If you were clean sheet hunting, you did not have a lot of success. Only Sporting Kansas City, which surprised me. Uh, well, would have surprised me until after I saw the results but or the, the, the cards. Uh, but Sporting Kansas City got, got a clean sheet and then Portland. And I think Portland was one that a lot of people – were, were banking on and that pulled through and then lots of other people had them and lost them at the last moment for some very crazy results but fun uh, to watch nonetheless of the round i think if you guys agree dallas would be the biggest fail would you guys say that's that's okay yeah i mean uh san jose hadn't won a game against someone other than minnesota for like a year so <laughs> like, yeah. 10, like 10, game, <laughs> 10 game losing streak they come in drop three on Dallas, Dallas gets a pity goal with that. Um, I think the stat I saw is Dallas is 4-4-1 since Diaz left. So um, maybe some caution needs to be used approaching Dallas, even against some of these weaker teams like San Jose going forward. But that was, I would ever say, the biggest fail. Biggest surprise, already mentioned it a second ago, Houston's loss to Sporting Kansas City. It was like Oprah was refereeing this game. It was, you get a red card, and you get a red card, and you get a red card, and the coach just don't come back. And so, uh, of course, that's going to happen when you're playing uh, a central defender down for some, from uh, the 14 at the game. So that was definitely a huge surprise uh, for, uh, for the result and the loss of the clean sheet and just that team. They got Open Cup coming up, so that's, that's good for them. Uh, I also wanted to point out Colorado – versus LA. Now this was LA. We know that they are bad on defense, but Acosta is on the score sheet again. And so I think against weaker opponents, which I would say even round 24 might be an option. You're going to want to look at him as a potential uh, fantasy uh, cheap and has some good shots for points. So uh, Colorado has been good for him so far. Otherwise Martinez scored, uh, the the usuals scored Quintero scored uh, New England found some goals DC managed to get its one little goal so lots of things happen as we always kind of expect um, so those are some of my general fantasy takeaways not a lot new but good some good information moving forward what about you guys anything you want to pull away from round twenty three before we touch on some other little specific topics well I, I I'll, I'll chime in about yeah. uh, San Jose. Um, Vaco had a heck of a game, and I think it's hilarious. I, I think he must be in touch with uh, MLS Fantasy because <laughs> he knew it was the start of the new season. The <laughs> At the beginning of the season, he came out with uh, a huge game the first week, 17 points, 
That was the last double-digit score he had for the rest of the season for everybody who jumped on the bandwagon. And now at the start of the second half, here he is again, just coming out with a big double-digit score to start off the second half. I wouldn't expect that to hold. Fantasy buyers beware. I mean, the the secret to their success was they had a a really solid midfield this time. And so I guess if they can keep that together, then maybe they – I mean, they're not going to be in a playoff spot, but maybe they'll have a few more – decent games, but I don't know if that's going to happen. But yeah, their, their midfield with him uh, really worked out this week. Um, maybe big takeaways. Uh, I think Seattle's on the upswing. I mean, I know it was yeah. late goals, but I mean, that was on the road against Minnesota. Uh, certainly uh, Rudy Rudiaz. Is that how, how you say his Rudy name? Rudiaz. Rudy um, I, I think he's fantasy viable. Um, I think he's kind of enlivened the squad in general. Uh, but he's also, I think, given some value to Ladero because he's not just not as um, limited in his options now. Um, especially if he can get Rudiaz and Will Bruin, which is what they've been doing, I think. Um, anyway, so we saw this week Will Bruin was able to get a goal, so it kind of creates more opportunities. And in a weaker West where you have a lot more um, easy defenses, uh, I think that's some good opportunities for points. And. Congrats to the stadium staff up there in Minnesota for taking care of that fan who threw the the beer at Ladero. So good job. Yeah, yeah, and um, and congrats to Minnesota for a great tifo. I always appreciate music hometown um, bashing. So yeah, um, I want to go all Homer and just really rip on Houston <laughs> for that game, but. They're in the middle of that's a third straight loss. Um, they've lost or they haven't won in five now. Uh, they're kind of in a nosedive. They were kind of one of those playoff hopefuls, and they're really falling off right now. Um, offense, I think, has two or three goals in the in their last five games, and this is a team that we haven't listed as a defensive powerhouse. Um, Senderos is really the only guy, and Fuenmayor to a degree, but Senderos comes up to the top because he's scored a few goals this year. Um, more than most defenders, so he's kind of always on your radar when you got a team that gives away set pieces. But when they're not scoring goals, this team is frustrated. And the big takeaway I have, and I won't go into all the details, but Albert Elise all really lost his head for the last 20 minutes. Um, it started with a no card, no whistle, throwing the ball at Tim Melia, trying to get him to hurry up and restart play as one of the ball boys gave Melia a ball to play with. And it just went from there. He had several incidents before his red card that could have been a second yellow or another red card. And he looked—he was looking for fights. Um, I don't know if that's coaching, if that's locker room, if that's just frustration boiling over from on the field. But I had picked Houston to win this game. I thought this was going to be a game that they were going to get it kind of right the ship. And they just self-destructed. And I don't know, fantasy-wise, MLS fan wise, I don't know if Houston's going to be able to put it together now dealing with three red cards and Cabrera getting the one game that goes with his red card. And if rumor is right, he came out of the tunnel before the final whistle and was seen back in the field area, which could be potential three, five games tacked on for a coach doing that. If he's missing for the next several MLS games with an added suspension, um, who knows what you're going to see here. Um, I love this offense, the way they play for fantasy. But if this is the team that they're going to be fielding for the next little bit, it's kind of everybody stay away. See, I, I don't love their offense for fantasy because, to me, 
it should run through Ellis, and Ellis has been inconsistent at best. Uh, we see him generate tons of chances, but he doesn't finish them. Uh, and then you have to go on the, uh, you know, spin the wheel. Is it Kyoto, Minotis, or Ellis this week, uh, even when they have a good matchup? So um, I, I think their season is definitely left to the Open Cup. Um, you know, if, if they do manage to get past LAFC, they are at home this week. Uh, I'm assuming they're going to blow the game uh, before their next Open Cup game. So um, I, I don't think you have a whole lot of reason to pick Houston players right now. I, I agree with you, Mike. I, I find Houston frustrating. And let's just talk a little bit more about this Houston Sporting Kansas City game I had on, my, on the rundown. Um, I find them fantasy frustrating because of – Manotas and Kyoto and Elise all up front and and trying to figure out who is going to score each week. They can all score uh, at different times under different situations and and for me that's great for the team. I know I know Travis must love that, but mm-hmm. for fantasy I want consistency and that's and that's not something that I like with the fantasy team. But I mean Blaine, you've you've got to throw them a little bit of a bone with this. Yes, a lot of some of the stuff you said at the end very true, but uh, Fun Mayor getting that red card in the 14th minute center back going out and that hurts a team, even if it's sort of the, the struggling at times offensive sporting Kansas city, you guys got that goal with a great pass from Zussi to right the top of the box for a little layoff into, into the, the six yard line, six yard box. So, I mean, that's, that's what was missing. Plus the two more red cards, plus the coach getting kicked out at halftime. I mean, a lot was stacked against Houston uh, after 14 minutes of this game. And, so. and if that goal isn't scored, we're probably talking today about how they need a number nine. Now we'll get to that in the rundown that they actually <laughs> got one. But, um, you know, it, it, you almost kind of wonder from Sporting Kansas City's perspective why they didn't dump more on Houston. <laughs> you never know. Right, exactly. So um, it's crazy. Uh, definitely crazy indeed. The other red card incident I want to mention right now uh, – Mavinga getting that red card against uh, Atlanta. Stupid red card with a little pushing and shoving going on there at the end of the game. The comment was made to me on Twitter was, should this card impact him in fantasy? And I wanted to highlight should because the answer is it did impact him in fantasy. He did get negative points for getting a red card. It's credited as the, the 95th or 90 plus five minute for the game but he said should and you know my personal opinion is the game was over and if the game is over clearly the referee can still give cautions that's of course of course we all know that but i feel like that shouldn't count against your fantasy score because it seems a lot like uh disco decisions coming down later on after the fact, and those don't get applied. Um, now, I know beforehand, Blaine, you were talking about how that's what the box score said, and clearly these programs are going to pull the box score and apply the points based on that. I get it. I get it. It happened. But from the point of view of should it happen, I feel like that shouldn't apply, that when the game's over, it shouldn't affect your fantasy score anymore. What do you all think? Jessup, let's let you join in. Well, I, I didn't see the red card. I, I wasn't able to watch the match this weekend. But he was still, like, in the stadium, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, they were on the field. The whistle was blowing. They started scuffling. Yeah, I mean, he pushed somebody who fell down yeah, like a feather. I, yeah, 
I mean, this is happening on the way out of the – he's still on the field. I think it should affect his fantasy score for that game that evening. I mean, Disco is like an after-the-fact, you know, reviewing the video and, and, and deliberating in a room somewhere else. But, you know, if, 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 a, if a ref is there and he's doing something that warrants a red card in person, you know – obvious i mean it's it's still close enough of a nexus in my opinion to to warrant an impact on his fantasy night uh, the same thing happens who, who was the player was it last year or the year before somebody didn't play and got a red card from the bench altador yes there we go there's the other so, I mean, it's the same thing right it's like well he didn't step on that was a year or two ago yeah, yeah, but but he got a red card, uh, so you know, and I, I think that counted for fantasy, right? I mean, he didn't even. <laughs> it, it did. No, it absolutely did. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I kind of look at that the same way. I, I think that that's a little different than the disco opinions that come out anywhere between you know a couple days to whenever they're going to make their decision after the fact. Yeah. So I mean, the disco de- decisions aren't counted not for any reason other than the the um values are finalized um i honestly wouldn't have a problem if it did get retroactively counted uh because it you know it does hurt your team so i don't have a problem with it counting i think it should count it's part of the game box score uh and that's what we're all looking at that's what we're scoring and if you get a red card you know it should count the same as any other red card um so i'm 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 okay with it yeah, I'm in favor of retroactively adjusting scores based on disco decisions too. If you get that minus two or four points for a red card and lose out on minutes played and everything else, and disco comes in and says, hey, it's not a red card. The ref was just smoking something. Give me my four points back. I mean, I don't care about the minutes I can play, but give me my four points back. I feel like that would be the most yeah. information disco would ever have given about a referee at times. So. <laughs> and how many times have we seen uh, players get uh, red cards or, or some sort of discipline for things that happened in like the tunnel during halftime? You know, I mean, not even on the field, but getting into it on their way out of the field. I feel like that's still middle of the game, but all right. Well, apparently, I'm just the MLS fantasy nice guy. Is this one? Okay, enough of some of those takeaways. What I really want to get into now, this final section of our review, and Jessup, I'm going to let you kick this one off because you were mentioning some about it in the opening, how this impacted you. Uh, fall season started. There's been some changes. Uh, biggest one was the uh, the price changes and the budget falling back to 100 million. Um, I know there were some other complaints people had. Initially, the overall rankings were still factoring in your previous score from the summer, but I built for the spring, but I believe that's been taken care of now. Uh, And then someone had mentioned that maybe some of the budgets weren't working out, but I haven't heard anything, or when I say weren't working out, that people had larger budgets than 100. I think that I wasn't able to get that confirmed, so I don't think that was an issue. Otherwise, I feel like it's gone pretty smooth, but um, what are your reactions, Uh, Jessup and everybody else? to the price change and the budget reduction over tweaked, not enough. Uh, what, what'd you take? Whoa. Woof. I mean, we went from being able to afford any single any combination of players in the entire league in the last week of the first half of the season to, I could barely afford a starting 11. I mean, it was just such an opposite extreme with the way the, so few budget players, not even mid-price players. I mean, there really is kind of a small pool 
of even halfway decent mid-price players. Yeah, excuse from um, I in order to get just a couple of the real stars last week, I uh, sacrificed a bench, you know, um, just to, to kind of get some of the a few of the usual starters that I'd like to play, and um, made it very tough. Part of that, of course, of course, is the the sort of juxtaposition of going from having an unlimited budget at the end of the first half of the season to all of a sudden having such a restricted budget with the price changes this first week. Um, so it was difficult. I mean, it was a bit, definitely a big mental adjustment and a, a struggle. Uh, one of the things that I did, and I think I'm probably going to do, I, I'm not sure if I'll do it again this week, but I, I absolutely had to this first week was fine a try i failed but i tried to find uh more value 252 lineup uh i rolled out a 442 this past week just because um you know there's i think you're coming in and out there a little bit jessica are you uh at the microphone oh i'm sorry um, yeah, so I, I, I went from a 3-4-3 three, three or a 3-5-2 lineup to a 4-4-2 four, four, this past week uh, because I was able to find a lot more um, value and more consistent starters uh, in the 6 to $6.5 million range in defense because there's really not a lot of those options in the midfield and the forward areas with these price adjustments. So it, it was definitely difficult. Blaine? Um, Personally, I loved it. Um, but look at my score. Look at my value. I've got a lot riding on this. <laughs> but but I say but I say this with the caveat. It's midseason. We know what players are doing, what they're capable of, and we kind of know how to react to teams. Even though Svensson gave me a three-point game, he's been rocking it as that defensive midfielder in Seattle. A lot of the plays are coming through him. It just – he and he gave me my value increase that I was expecting him to give me, even if he had a mediocre performance. But more so, I love it because I'm a draft player as well, and I have three of the players in my current fantasy lineup or my last week's lineup that are on my draft team. Um, about about a third, another third of my squad is players that have been on my radar. A couple of them have been in and out of my team this season already just with the waiver wire and everything. So as a draft player, this plays right into my strengths. I know which guys are on the waiver wire, which guys are coming in and out of rosters every couple of weeks as they have good matchups. And those were the guys I started targeting first. Um, Barrios is one of those. He's usually been pretty locked down. Uh, Burgett, as long as Via is in and out, he has been transferred in and out of fantasy lineups in this draft league more often than I think almost any other player besides defenders, and that's just your defender of the week option. So it, this played to my strengths. I liked it. I like seeing the variance in the, in the rosters. Um, could only afford two premium players this week, which was fine by me. Just have to look around, and it gets you used to a few other names in the fantasy game. But this is in this is kind of in my wheelhouse, so I w- I'm more prone to liking it than I'd say most people are. Yeah, I've, I've been okay with some of these changes so far, but I want to just say real quick, I, I feel like it's not fair to say that there weren't many good options at midfield that were at reasonable prices because I just look at my original four-man midfield and I had 
Tajori starting because I knew that Via wasn't going to be playing and he was coming back from injury. And I checked with Mike beforehand and, and he features at these times and has done well. And he got an assist. Barrios was coming off a hat trick and was starting up top now. And he got an assist. Acosta has been the man in Colorado and he got a goal. And then I originally had tighter and he got an eight point game without having a goal and assist because that's just what he does and what he's been doing all season consistently. These guys all ranged from 7.5 to I think tighter was nine or 9.5, something like that. So he would tighter would have been the, the farthest off of the budget, but these other guys in that 7.5 to eight range easily affordable and they did well. They didn't put up the numbers like like Valeri did. But if you're trying to skimp and save, I mean, that's a respectable seven points, ten points, eight points is pretty good for a midfielder in that kind of range. That That's fair. I think part of the problem is you guys are just better at finding those players. Than me. <laughs> well, I published an article about it. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. I didn't say two of the guys on my list that ended up making my list this week or my midfield, but I had Morales is my big name. Um, I went with Plata who got me nine points from 9.5 million. Can't complain at all there. I think we were all kind of a consensus pick on Barrios just because of the hat trick. We knew his value was going up and he's got the potential. And then I went with Alejandro Silva and Svensson and three and four points there, but they were six and 7 million respectively on that. So I'm, I'm not going to complain too much with that. Yeah, I was taking a little bit of a gamble with Svensson at six. I think when you're starting to look at the six million range, you're running into problems finding quality midfielders who are going to start and give you more than three points. Sure. And I and I and I and I whiffed with Svensson. I mean, three points is three points, but at six million, I mean, maybe I maybe I could have done something better. Maybe it would have been better to take a zero and go grab another premium forward, or take a zero and upgrade Silva to. Um, Valeri, if you could, I mean, maybe there is times when just taking the zero is worth it, but the, the players are there and I found them. Mike, who did you have in your midfield? Um, I had, let's see, I had Barrios. I had, uh, I did Plata and Rusnak. Uh, I was able to kind of fit them in. Plata was kind of undervalued, um, from what I saw. And I mean, Rusnak was, um, I'm trying to remember if he's, I think he started off at 9.5. So he wasn't quite as high premium price as some of these others. Plus I knew they had a good matchup with Chicago. Plus I knew, I knew Chicago was going to rotate. Honestly, I almost considered captaining Rusnak um, because of how good they are at home. Plus with the rotation. So, um, but it's be to, to me <clears throat> and maybe I have, I didn't have as much problem with the midfielders. I had the problems with the defenders, um, the defenders were the ones that came in very high price because I mean we're used to them not being as much of a budget. Because as it went on, usually the defend the defenders they'll have a price rise from getting a good clean sheet. But unless they're scoring goals, once they you know get two goals goal scored against them, they tend to lose that value. So they don't rise as much unless you're Graham Zusi. Um, and it, with the way the restructuring happened. We were able to identify all of the starters on the good defensive teams and who the good defensive teams were. So I do think people were correct in saying there was it was really hard to find good defensive budget options. And that was the true at the beginning of the year with the way the price system was structured. And it was definitely true um, this past week. I mean, even 
formulating my lineup this week, that's where I had the trouble because you don't have a whole lot of wiggle room. They're all kind of compressed in this range. And if you want them from a good team, you're probably spending at least six million. Whereas, you know, you, if you're trying to look for budgets, you want to get to like, you know, 4.5 or other. I mean, there, there were budget options on defense, like we talked about Herrera, but there weren't a whole lot of them. You pretty much got locked into using Herrera. Um, but I mean, I think this gets into a kind of larger conversation about the fantasy game. I didn't have a problem with being forced into hard choices. I kind of like the fact that I had to choose between premium players. I like the fact that I have to choose this week against premium players because I mean, as we've seen, like I can pick, you know, the top four midfielders. And then, you know, once you get into keeperoos and switcheroos, you know, who the fifth and sixth best are pretty well. And we saw that towards the end of uh, the season, most the scores were pretty similar. There wasn't a whole lot of movement in the rankings because, you know, with so many options with so much budget, they were all pretty close together. This week I saw you, saw, I think you had a lot of diverse teams. You had a lot more options. So I guess the question is, what kind of fantasy game do we want? Do we want a game that's easier for for um, casuals where you could just have pick whatever? Or do we want a game that's a little tougher where you've really got to kind of do like what Blaine said, dig in the weeds, find these players who are lesser known values, have players like Burgett, you know, players who are coming, coming into injury and may get an opportunity, may get some points to kind of fill out your roster. Um, that to me is the more, the more interesting question. Um, I mean, some of the prices, uh, you know, I mean, to me, a lot of the price reset was done based on trying to accommodate the inflation that's going to become because the price change system is not good, but that's a whole other discussion. Well, and if I can comment on that again, because I only get to comment tonight. Um, yeah, go for it. Then <laughs> <laughs> you will have- never heard from again. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, I had some pretty strong feelings, and, and, and Mike made some great points there. And I, I, I agree with Mike that it's good to have to choose. I, and it was a little – I think the hard part for me was going immediately from one extreme to the other, from one week to the next. That adjustment and, like, you know, overnight was was sort of a shock. But it is good, and it does create, you know, diversity of teams. And, and you know, you don't want to just have a template team that everyone just, you know, can copy and paste. But – one, the bigger issue I have with the game overall, which kind of ties into the price structure, is the price changes. I really don't like the price change structure this year. Uh, this algorithm about, you know, how, how high and how low the prices can change week to week is really, I mean, it became a complete waste of time. I mean, why even have prices if by the seventh week of the season, everyone can afford every single player. There's no point to the price. It's, it's just an arbitrary, you know, component. So, uh, and now that they're reset, suddenly the prices are relevant again, but how long will they be relevant? They'll probably be irrelevant in another five to six weeks when we all, you know, play the pricing game and get enough budget to be able to afford whoever we want again. So it, it Mike makes a very good point. And I totally agree. And it's, it, I think the, the problem lies more in the changes in the prices from week to week than in the sort of starting prices uh, and valuing the players at the beginning of the season. Do you all think it would be better if every team had at least one budget player, maybe not all positions, but maybe at least one defender and one midfielder that was, a 5.5 and a seven at the start of the season. 
now that might be hard to to pick because you don't know. And I think that was part of what this price reset did was it also adjusted for the the average points that we were seeing produced by these guys. But if every team always had the likely fourth defender at 5.5 and the likely maybe it's a, a defensive midfielder, but one of the midfielders as seven, if you could find someone at every team for every position, would that be fair? Would that make it less interesting? I, I don't think you could do that just because of the variance in the teams and the way. I mean, there are some teams where you know for sure who their starters are going to be. You know, they, they play a consistent lineup, even a consistent formation for at the back. You know, uh, other teams may change their lineup and you're going they may have four defenders one week, five the next and and use the players differently and even rotate. So picking who that cheaper defender is going to be is going to be almost impossible and sort of unfair if you're moving from team to team and, and valuing, you know, the, the higher versus lower value players within a team. Well, sure. I mean, it would definitely have to be very a very human element, almost arbitrary, and would only really work at the beginning of a season because because hashtag because MLS would hit and everybody would be <laughs> yeah. different. I read I, if we're just spitballing here. I think yeah. the happy middle, because I, I like. I can't say I like the price change system, but I like the results of the price change system. Giovinco was not performing like the premium player he had been in years past. Um, he started off, I think, at 12 or 12.5 at the beginning of the season, and I don't even know what he started at at this point in the season. But his price was significantly lower given his production in the first half of the year. He's 11. He's 11. Okay. Is that after? Oh, that's after I, the game, though. Yeah, he started at he yeah, started at ten and a half. Yeah. He's been a guy that started at twelve and a half before. Right. So, the team's getting it back together. I think they're they're overvaluing him based on his potential. But then again, his average when he's playing is still seven point two one. I mean, that's incredible. But but the point what I'm getting at is I think the price change system is having the effect it wants to have on the game. I know there were some defenders that we were talking about, like this guy's four or four and a half, and he's been one of the guys that's been defensive player of the year candidate a couple years ago. I mean, just we've seen some really what we consider strong players, maybe not strong fantasy options, strong players get balanced pretty hard by this price change structure. The problem with the price change is how much money it leaves for fantasy players. And my theory, my thought, just a happy middle is when we sell a player that we've had and let's just go with uh, Valeri as the example, he was 11 million to start this half of the season. So he's up to 11.5. If you sell him this week, you only get that 0.25 return. You take a half in return. Now, if you keep him, his value stays there. And if he goes up again, he gets even more. If he loses some value, whatever you play that gamble, you ride it out. But the moment you sell him, you have to buy them back and eat into your profits that you would have made. I think that's the way this model needs to go where we don't get full returns for the roster because let's say I had Morales and I got the money. Okay. I want to sell Morales last week from last week for Valeri this week. I'm now going to have to eat into another 0.25 of my budget in order to get Valeri in there just to swap out Morales because I take a hit by selling a player. Whereas if I was smart enough to take Valeri last week over Morales and keep him this week, I don't take that penalty. I think something like that to kind of balance our budgets and keep the 
fluctuation a little bit smaller would be beneficial overall for the game. And I know I'll bring this back up at the end of the season review as well, but I think that would help because I'm going to have to make that change. My 5.4 increase is now a 5.1 or 5.2 increase when I want to go grab Valeri uh, compared to somebody who took Valeri to begin with. Sounds well, and, and there's a, I think there's a better, bigger question of whether or not there should be a budget increase at all. If you just made the budget a hundred million and just had the, you know, lineup set to zero every week, um, you could still have the same price change structure. And I don't think it would be as, as damaging. I think part of the problem is that, you know, you can predict what the price change is going to be based on last week. Um, Kind of one just one more thing, and I'm sure we're going to be wrapping up because we actually have to get the picks for this week. Yep. But um, you know, Jessup mentioned you know he had trouble because he was late, uh, you know, trying to figure out you know the budget and all that. Uh, I think if they're going to continue to do this, where you have you know major price changes mid year like this, uh, I think the prices should be announced two weeks ahead of time. Um, I, I didn't really understand why we had the reset day. That never really made a whole lot of sense to me, and it just seemed to compress where you needed really a whole lot of time to kind of digest uh, what the price changes. So I, I think that's something they need to look at. Um, if they continue it, which they may not, because, you know, just like the opening weekend challenge, we didn't get a whole lot of promotion, um, you know, for, for this. So I don't know if it brought in a whole lot of players. So we'll, we'll see. All right, guys. Well, thanks for that discussion. Uh, very good. I hope everyone listening enjoyed it. If you have your own thoughts, about the, the fall season change, uh, share them with us on Twitter. We'd definitely love to hear back uh, from the rest of everyone who listens. Uh, moving on to housekeeping, uh, double game week teams this week for round 24, zero, none, nada, no double game week teams. Uh, we do have a buy team, and that is Atlanta. So those guys get a little bit of a break. Have some pretty good budget options there for those of you looking to uh, fill your bench with uh, the cheap players to help free up some cash. So look to Atlanta for that. U.S. Open Cup is playing on August 8th. That's just in a couple days if you're listening tonight. One day if you're listening on Tuesday. And that is Philadelphia versus Chicago and then Houston versus LAFC. So keep an eye on those rosters. See who takes it seriously as that will probably play into the weekend's games this time around. A uh, quick little announcement. I posted this on Twitter, decided to extend it a little bit longer so I could make the announcement on the podcast. If you are participating in one of the MLS Fantasy Boss Network uh, fantasy leagues, that's the r slash fantasy official league, the MLS Fantasy Boss official league, and then the Patreon league, though there's some caveats for how you qualify for that one. Um, part of the eligibility requirements to be eligible for the prizes, which are the gift cards to MLS shop, is you must register your team name and your email address on my Google document that I've got posted. Uh, you can find those by searching it, or I'll put a link probably in the bottom of this post somewhere uh, or over on Reddit. But you've got to register so I can contact you. And I started going through the winners, and like the first 10 people had not registered at all. So this is just your your last friendly reminder that if you do want to get a prize from any of those three leagues, um, I need to have your registration information so that I can contact you because it gets very frustrating trying to find people and that just makes it easier for me. Those of you in Patreon land, which already have that information, so you don't have to worry about, this is mostly for the other people who are slacking off. <laughs> uh, and then of course, speaking of Patreon, we have Jessup here with us tonight, uh, one of our, our final Patreon guests uh, who, who supports us so much. Uh, 
monetarily and then out in the community as well. I think Jessup was one of the first people to get a scarf from winning the, the league last year. And so Jessup is just a time for you to be able to share with everyone why uh, you think uh, it's worth being a Patreon member of our show and, and just why you listen. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I personally, I drive uh, a fair amount to work and I rely on podcasts a lot to pass the time. I love them. Um, and this podcast has really become one of my favorites of the past couple of years. I've been a listener for, I think it's my third year um, and listen every week. And um, I like to donate because, you know, I'm I'm contributing directly to the the content that I enjoy. I mean, there's not commercials, no corporate sponsors. I mean, I'm, I'm contributing exactly to the product that I get and really, you know, get a lot out of every week. And I'm very selfish in donating because I want to make sure this podcast keeps going. I enjoy it too much <laughs> to uh, to uh, have it go away. Um, and I also think about how much you know money I contribute to things that I don't even like as much as this podcast. And so it made the decision pretty easy to donate. Um, to this because I get so much out of it. Also, for all of you out there, one of my favorite things is competing against these guys in the Patreon League. So uh, <laughs> donate, and let me tell you how much fun it is to hear their advice and then try to, to, to try to test your metal and see if you can do even better. Um, I I usually don't, but it is a lot of fun to try. So we're handicapping ourselves. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, I, I'm also in a homegrown league, head-to-head uh, -head league with Blaine. He, he finished ahead of me uh, this year. I think he was in third, and I was in fourth in that league. But uh, in our last head-to-head -head matchup, I think it was about one or two weeks ago, uh, I did beat him in our head-to-head. -head. So I, I, hopefully uh, uh, he's not too upset that I had to point that out to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But we also play in that draft league together. We're actually in separate leagues. Yeah. Because I'm up in the Premier League having never gotten relegated. So yeah, I'll just wait right. from there <laughs> and wait for you to come up to my level. That's true. I've not yet been promoted to the top flight of that league to compete with Blaine. I'm not, I'm not, I have not, I've not been good enough yet to even reach his level. So. Well, if you're interested in finding out more about the, the Patreon group that we have going on, head over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash M-L-S-F-I. And now the injury news. All right. Uh, let's see. I don't know if you all want me to go through all the Houston red cards, but Funi Mayor, Elise, and Saren were the three um, players for Houston who will be suspended. They will be suspended for the match against the Columbus crew. Um, let's see, uh, Ofori has had a minor knock, but he should be fine soon. Um, uh, if you watch the game, uh, Berzak came off, but he says the injury, um, wasn't serious. So we'll see if he's available. Um, David Villa should be good for, um, he, he was, Villa is coming off his suspension. Uh, and Dome has said that Villa, uh, would have been good to go if not for that suspension against Vancouver. So, um, I'm expecting Villa to play. So don't expect a whole lot out of Berzak this week. Um, Let's see, Campos for Chicago, uh, he uh, looked like he tore something. I haven't seen an official word on that yet, but he couldn't put any weight on it, so I'm, I'm expecting him to be out for the year. Um, Reggie Cannon um, looked like he was having some hamstring issues, but they were even talking before the game that this dude may need a rest because he's a rookie and has played so well and gotten so many minutes. So um, be very careful if you're going to play Cannon uh, going forward. Um, Yoshi Otun received a red card. Um, he will be suspended. 
uh, one of our favorites, uh, Hoberry. Uh, he he left early uh, with an early substitution, so it looks like he may miss some time. Uh, as we talked about before, Mavinga well, received a red card. Um, he will be suspended. Um, there are some allegations about um, whether or not Almiron spit on Mavinga to cause that whole ruckus. Um, there's no clear video evidence of that, but something to be aware of. Now Atlanta's on a bye, so it's not a big deal this week. Speaking of Atlanta, Joseph Martinez kind of came off sort of with like a little limp or a gimp, depending on how you view it. Um, I don't know if it's too serious, but definitely something to keep in the back of your mind for uh, two weeks from now when they come back uh, and play. Um, and we didn't talk about it, but Sean Johnson did miss this week uh, with a shoulder injury. I didn't get too in much indication that it's very serious, but uh, obviously something to keep an eye on to see if Stuver gets another um, start this week. So I think that's it. Um, I'll also mention Josie Altador did put um, his hands kind of on around Almiron. It didn't seem like it was that big of a deal, but it is a potential disco situation, so be aware of that. All right, thanks so much, Mike. Time for our round 24 preview. Single game week teams, that's all that we have for this week. So let's uh, go through this game by game. Going to give you guys at least three minutes so we can get through this in the spirit of time. So Jessup, kick us off with, uh, I guess, currently your favorite MLS team until <laughs> next year, uh, Columbus versus Houston. Yeah, I, I was a very passive Columbus fan. I was definitely not a diehard. I live in Cincinnati, you know, about an hour and a half from Columbus. And uh, I, you know, try to follow them when I can. But now that uh, FC Cincinnati we have is coming to uh, the MLS, we will have uh, – uh, that is my new hometown team. So that's who I'll be rooting for next year for sure. I'm, I'm no longer going to be a Columbus crew fan. Um, sorry out there, crew universe. Uh so I really like Columbus this week. Um, as you just heard, Houston is missing all sorts of folks. Um, uh, I don't always love Columbus's defense, but they have a very good, I think they might be number one in uh, having the fewest uh, expected goals against uh, this season. Um, and so with, uh, Houston, which normally has a pretty decent offense, offense missing Ellis or Elise, excuse me, uh, Saren, uh, and also one of the defenders. I, I think that you know this is set up for Columbus to do pretty well. Um, on the defensive side, I like uh, Valenzuela and Awful for their attacking potential, even if they don't keep a, a clean sheet. Uh, of those two, I kind of like Awful uh, a little more. He has scored. Um, uh, assist in three of his last four. So, uh, you know, his form is pretty good lately. Um, I also like Columbus's offense. A uh, little stat that I looked up uh, in preparation for tonight. Zardis has scored in nine out of 12 home matches this year. Uh, he does pretty well at home. And in uh, three of those nine, he actually scored more than one goal. He scored a brace. So considering Houston is not a very stout defense at their best and they're going to be weakened, I like Zardes this week. Uh, I'm a little concerned and interested on uh, about what the Mullins hype train that Mike, I'm sure, can uh, help us out with. Uh, the impact of, of Patty Mullins on Zardes, they both started this week. Uh, Mullins had a great match and Zardes only scored two fantasy points. So um, given that Mullins is only about 5.5, I might try to squeeze both into my budget, uh, into my lineup this week. But um, if, if 
you know, you all have any thoughts about how those two might play together. I'm a little uh, wait and see about the impact of Mullins on Zardis, but otherwise I like Zardis. I'm probably going to have him on my team this week. Uh, I'm not picking Merrim yet, but he is back in Columbus. Uh, I'm not sure when he will be playing, um, but I do love the idea of Merrim rebounding that he's reunited with uh, Burkhalter. Um and I'm also probably not picking Stefan because he's too expensive. But if you can't afford him, uh, he is a decent shout for a clean sheet this week. Uh, score prediction, um, 2-0 to Columbus. And I am not picking anybody from Houston <laughs> this week. I don't think they're a great, great bet going away to Columbus. Oh, yeah. No, pretty good week to stack up, I think, as well. Mike, New England versus Philly. Oh, well, New England's one of the other big traders we just mentioned. Miram uh, went back to Columbus. We should also mention there are two other big trades that happened kind of right before we started the podcast. Uh, New England has traded Christian Nemeth to Sporting Kansas City, uh, which I'm sure Blaine will talk about. And then um, Ramirez just went to uh, LAFC from uh, Minnesota. So um, some interesting forward um, trades would always make uh, for interesting fantasy. Um, this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, Philadelphia does have midweek uh, open cup match. I uh, then have to go on the road to New England, which isn't a great scenario, especially if the open cup match happens to go 120 or, or something like that. Um, this should be an opportunity for New England. Um, I, I think Fagundes is a really interesting pick. Um, other than that, uh, um, I don't know if I would trust enough New England defenders, but there's certainly some values there that if you want to kind of take a, a, a risk on an auto route there. But, I mean, New England hasn't been doing well. Um, so, in general, I'm not picking a whole lot of New England. Fagundes is really the only one I'm going to consider. But, I mean, I could see this as a 2-1 or a 2 nothing for, for New England. Okay, Blaine, Chicago versus the New York Red Bulls. Yeah, this is a... Interesting matchup. Chicago's not the team I'm going to be looking at pretty heavily for anything in this budget crunch area. I think their top end players are okay at best, but they're usually fourth or fifth guy down the list that I'm looking at. And just their middle of the road guys, just I have no faith in them scoring consistent points. And then you've got the Red Bulls on the road. And this is a Chicago team that's not terrible, but they're not great most of the time and i kind of see this one going 2-1 in favor of the red bulls um bradley wright phillips has got to be on the radar with the budget crunch if you want just a player you can be reasonably assured is going to have a good chance at goal um he's one of those guys i like i like him in this matchup too um beyond that with the value picks being a little bit harder to come by royer just got the two goals and it wasn't Kaku putting up the big bonus points this time. It makes it hard to pick the Red Bulls midfielders. I was never a big fan of picking Red Bulls in the first half of the season. Other than Wright Phillips, it's just, it was hard to get a guy that I liked consistently. They, I missed a couple of calls, or I called out a couple of names that didn't put them in my lineup when they did have a good game. It's, just, it's really hard to predict, and I don't watch enough Red Bulls play to know who's going to be lining up better against Chicago. And I just I think they're too expensive with a little too much variance this week. So in this one, with it being a road game, only Bradley Wright Phillips on my radar, and a 2-1 Red Bulls win on the road. Right, Mike, Colorado versus San Jose. Well, we talked uh, about Kellen Acosta a, a little bit earlier about how he seems to be rejuvenated, and that seems to be the case. I mean, he's 
since getting to Colorado, he's got eight and ten. So he's eight point zero, which is exactly the kind of price point you need with those two scores as his last few scores. And I don't know if they've wiped the scores that he used to have or whatever. I'm having trouble pulling them up. But regardless, with those two scores in the last pin and you know, a bunch of bad scores before, he's gonna get a price bump. So, you know, against a team like San Jose, who's despite what they did against Dallas is weak defensively should be another opportunity for him. I, I think he's kind of a must have between his price, his imminent price increase and the opponent. Um, I mean, he's kind of like Barris last week and that didn't hurt people. He got seven points. So uh, I, I think he's definitely someone to look at anyone else. Uh, I, I don't think there's anyone there um, that I've seen that, that convinces me to to spend the position yet, but you know, maybe there'll be some bargains down the line. But I, I think Acosta is the person this week. Um, one or two nothing win for, for Colorado. Okay, Jessup, Real Salt Lake versus Montreal. You know, at first glance, I thought this was a really funny uh, matchup because neither team is that good and neither team is really, really bad. Uh, both have lackluster attacks and they're kind of inconsistent on defense. They both give up uh, more goals than they score. Uh, and they both sit right about in the middle of the table in their respective divisions. Um, so I, I didn't really have a good idea what to expect, but I am uh, now very seriously considering taking some RSL players for you know a few specific reasons. Um, I don't see a ton of clean sheets this week. Uh, there's a lot of weeks where I don't see clean sheets, and this is certainly one of them. But RSL at home is not um, a terrible shout for a, a possible clean sheet and uh, some defender picks. They've won seven, and they drew two out of their last ten home matches. So they have a huge home and away split. And so playing at home, I do think that they're a much more viable fantasy option. Um, so I'll probably have an RSL defender. Uh, also, some of their defenders are cheaper than other options. And with all the budget issues, you know, with the prices being adjusted, looking for those budget options, I think that's one good place to kind of spend your money is in their back line. Um, Montreal also has the lowest expected goals per game of any team uh, in the MLS right now. So, you know, even the goals they're scoring might be a little bit on the lucky side. If you can afford Rusnak, this would be a good week to pick him up, I think. Uh, I probably won't have him because I like some of the other options better. Plus, his price isn't that cheap, uh, but he's not a bad option. Uh, Krylak, am I pronouncing that right? Krylak? I think so. Um, yeah, I think he's an interesting pick. He, he lines up as a defensive midfielder, which I you know, normally avoid unless you know, there's some special reason to grab him. But he's coming off of a huge match where he got two goals. So he's coming he is due for a price rise even if he doesn't do that well this week so playing the money game i think he could be a good pick and he's not too expensive i think he's about eight million maybe eight five um he's also scored a goal or an assist in four of his last six so it's not a total anomaly that you know he'll score a goal even from sort of a defensive midfielder position so he's kind of an interesting pick uh, i'm not taking any montreal players this week uh, they could pull something out. Obviously, Piotti is good, um, but it's not a, a week to, to pick him, I don't think. And Tater's another one I often will look at in, a, in the right matchup, but I don't think this is it. I'm going to predict a 2-1 uh, RSL win or possibly a 1-1 draw, but I'm, I'm guessing RSL pulls this one out. Okay, Blaine, LAFC versus your Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, oh. 
give me the tough one. You got I got guys I like on both sides of the ball here. Um, I think I think this is the first time these two teams have met, which means it's the first time Benny and Blessing will be playing against their old team. Makes this one an interesting matchup. Um, I mean, Christian Ramirez just signed for LAFC. I think number their number they're reporting right now is a million in Garber bucks with incentives potentially for him, 750 guaranteed. Um, some speculation out there is that he is going to be their go-to guy up front, maybe supplant Diamande, even with even with the form and the crazy form he had. Uh, they say Ramirez may be able to supplant him sooner rather than later, which is interesting. going to be interesting to see. Don't know if he's going to be quite ready for this weekend, so watch that lineup. Um, as far as LAFC goes, though, uh, Latif Blessing is probably my highlight pick given the way the rosters line out and the prices and everything else. At 7.5, with his speed, I think he can really tear up this Kansas City defense. He tends to attack down Zussi's side of the ball or Zussi's side of the field, and Zussi has a tendency to get pulled in tight and run really high up on the attack, which is going to leave some space exposed for Blessing to exploit his speed against this Kansas City defense. And, you know, I've been critical of Icopara a lot this season. Um, when Zussi's gone, it's Opara's job to cover for him, and I think Blessing will have his number. So, that's my one pick from the LAFC side. Um, the only thing I can't say with any certainty is if I want to put LA on a clean sheet chance. I know Kansas City's had one of the better offenses, and they've just reacquired uh, Christian Nemeth from New England. Again, don't know if he's going to be ready to play. Don't know if he's going to be, quote-unquote, sporting fit for Vermees come, coming out of New England where he hasn't played a whole lot this year. I think he's only got four starts and 15 or so appearances. So if he's not match fit quite quite or right now, it's going to be a little bit. And I just, this is a Kansas City team that if they want to slow the game down and draw it out a little bit, they can. I think they could very possibly put up the goal, but I'm not banking on it. So no fantasy picks here. Um my homer pick says this is 2-1 to LAFC. My kind of general fantasy advice is this is a 2-0 LAFC and look for the look for a clean sheet here. All right, Mike, LA Galaxy versus Minnesota. Zlatan. 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 I mean, yeah, you have to have Zlatan this week. I mean, Minnesota's terrible. Um, yeah, I mean – we know Minnesota's defense is not any good. Uh, I, they're at home. He's got a week of rest. I mean, I don't know if he can ask for too much of a better situation. Um, also, Alessandrini, he got a goal this week in Zlatan's absence. I certainly think he's strong enough to keep that going against Minnesota. And on the other side, we know how bad LA Galaxy's defense is, so I think Quintero is uh, worth a shout. Um I don't think anyone else. There's not a whole lot of really good cheap options from this game, but I think you've got some good um, premium options from this game. So I think it's like 3-2, maybe more goals, because neither of these teams can defend. All right, Jessup, Portland versus Vancouver. Um, I like Portland for this match. Uh, I think they got some good fantasy options. Uh, Vancouver has lost four of their last five. So, you know, I think a way to Portland – 
especially when Portland has been pretty strong uh, this season, is not a time for that they're going to turn it around. Um, Portland was on a great run until you know recently they had the uh, loss to Orlando and a draw to Chicago, and those are both a little bit of a surprise in my opinion. But you know I think Portland's still a very strong pick, especially at home. Um, I'll probably have a Portland defender. Um, I had uh, Valentin, Valentin last week, and he came through. I might roll with him. I think uh, Cascante, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is also a great pick. Um, they're both cheaper than Maibala and Powell. Those are also good picks, but they're just more expensive. So uh, depending on what your budget will allow. Um <clears throat> Let's see. I'm definitely taking Valeri. That's probably one of the first team names in my team sheet this week. Uh, he's coming off a great game. So, you know, even a modest uh, point production this week, he's probably going to get another price rise, which will help the budget. And, you know, a home match against a, uh, you know, mediocre at best Vancouver defense is uh, a good match to have Valeri on your team. Um, you know, elsewhere, which is kind of interesting, you were talking about the homer picks for Portland. Uh, you know, raise your hand if you had Guzman and Chara last week on your team because both of them did really well. But I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't predict though, those as uh, reliable numbers for those two players to put up the rest of the season. Um, they're probably going to get a price rise uh, just because they did well last week, and they might do okay. But I, I don't think I'm going to actually invest in, in that many uh, Portland players. Um, so, but keep them on your radar down the road if for some reason they keep putting up those 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 numbers. Um, I'm not going to be taking any Vancouver players this week. I do love Alfonso Davies. Uh, I pick him up from time to time. I don't think this is the week to do it away to Vancouver. Um, plus, he's getting a big move to Germany soon. So I think his mind might be elsewhere at this point. He's just looking ahead and getting ready for his European uh, career. Um, maybe Breck Shea, which is a hilarious pick. Um, you know, I picked him up before because he's cheap. Um, he's very inconsistent and doesn't always even, you know, play, doesn't start. So you have to keep an eye out there, but, uh, he did score seven points last week and he's fairly inexpensive. So he, if he does play again and even gets a modest score, he could be in for a price rise. Uh, and but he's really only uh, someone to consider if you're kind of desperate looking at the, the end of your budget, uh, looking for somebody who might be playing. Um, I'm going to predict a two nothing Portland win over Vancouver. My best guess. All right, Mike, Toronto versus your New York City. I can't remember if we mentioned, but Toronto is one of the teams with midweek action because they also have Canadian Championship against uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of lineup uh, Toronto puts out for that game, uh, which could impact this game. Uh, we also talked about Mavinga being uh, suspended. Um, he's been one of their best defenders all year, um, so that's going to hurt them at a time when New York City is going to get David Villa back. Um, I think this has a draw to it. Uh, Dome has played a little bit more aggressively um, than Patrick Vieira. We'll see if he continues to do that. I think in general he's just been more flexible, but you know, opinions on that differ, so just be aware of that. Um, I tend to think this is probably a draw, like a 2-2 draw. Um, I think you're probably premium guys are really what you're looking for as far as values. Um if if Sean Johnson can't go, Stuver should be able to play. Um, he's at, at only four point eight. He's probably at that price where you could afford him in a keeper row if you wanted to do, do that. Um, 
And because he's so low, he's probably going to get a price increase just by playing the kind of way he did last week. Um, in general, I think this is a. I think there are better games to pick, um, just because you know these are two good teams at this point, point. Um, and it's not like a blowout either way. So I think there are better options this week, but two-two draw and, and you know maybe something out of your premium guys. All right, Jessup, DC versus Orlando. Um, so I have to share that I'm a Liverpool fan. So uh, I follow the English Premier League, and I'm used to hating Wayne Rooney. Um, but I do kind of love that he plays for DC United. Um, you've spoken before on the pod, or someone, I think it was Blaine, was talking about uh, kind of believing DC's rejuvenation in its offense. And I'm also on board with that. I, I, I agree. I think Stiber generally is is really interesting and somebody that I'm keeping an eye on every week. And I'm real curious to see what Rooney does in MLS. Uh, it's early, you know, he's only played what, two matches, but uh, I'm keeping an eye on him. Um, regarding picks for this week though, uh, nah, that's okay. <laughs> I'm not going to pick them <laughs> against uh, Orlando. I, I'm still a wait and see for the most part on both of those players, but they are, there are ones to keep an eye on. Um, I would not fault somebody for taking Stiber. Um, uh, maybe Rooney as well. Um, Orlando's defense has struggled all season. Um, DC is at home, you know, um, and Cyber in particular has been pretty consistent. Um, only caution there is that he gets subbed out. He seems to get subbed out uh, uh, after about 60 minutes sometimes. Um, I was looking at sort of his track record, and out of the last 13 matches, he scored at least five or six points in 10 of those. Um, and in two of the three where he did not score at least five, he was subbed off at 60. So if he plays 90, he's a really good bet to get at least five or six points. He's got a pretty decent floor. And that's one of the things I, I, I really like about him. But, um, you know, now Rooney, like I said, it's early. Um, he's been OK. He was not he is not really impressed quite as much as Latan did as soon as he hit the hit the field in MLS. Um, so he's a big wait and see. So this week I'm not taking any of them. Um, but keep an eye on them down the road. Um, I'm also probably going to avoid uh, Orlando. They offensively have a lot of weapons, but uh, Mike, maybe you can help me out here. I, I, I think a lot of their players are questionable right now. Um, is, uh, are, are they missing a question possibly this week? What's his status? Um, I haven't heard anything about question. Uh, okay, I, mean, maybe, I think he was maybe. listed at like yellow or as questionable, but I saw something quite putting a question mark on him. Um, you know, and then they they traded Marin back, and they they've been you know sort of uh, had a couple players that I'm not too familiar with stepping up. Um, so I'm going to keep an eye on them. But away, uh, it, DC is not a great defense. Um, if you are going to take an Orlando player, I'd say Dwyer is a pretty decent pick. And if Question's playing, I like Question. But I'm probably going with different options this week. There's just other players I like better. Uh, score prediction. I can see goals going both ways. Neither one has a great defense. Both uh, really are starting to put things together offensively. I'm going to go and predict 2-2 DC versus Orlando. And if, you know, all the starters in Orlando are healthy, like Kleschen and um, some of the other players, I could see them going 3-2 and winning uh, against DC. <laughs> All right, and finally, Blaine, Seattle versus Dallas. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to read too much into the 
recent Dallas result against San Jose. I think that's just par for the course for a team that's changing things up and trying to find a new identity after losing one of the best playmakers in the league for the last couple of seasons. Um, there are some struggles. That was Barrios up top again, which is seems to be working fairly well, but that's that. But I think with Seattle, the addition of Rui Diaz has really brought something neat missing to this team and they've put it all back together. Ladero's now freed up where everybody's not quite keying on him every single play. Um, Dempsey's kind of become a non-factor for this team. Um, Roldan and Ship were playing the wings this last week. I just there's something there's something good happening here with Rui Diaz out there. And I don't know whether he's just occupying defenders. I haven't got to sit down and watch him play for Seattle yet. But there's something good happening. And given Dallas being a team in flux and the way Seattle has kind of sparked it, got the spark and put it all together, I've got to be really high on Seattle this week. And I mean, Mike may have swayed me with his LA Galaxy Minnesota thing that Zlatan is a must own this week. But right behind Zlatan and Zardes is Rui Diaz. And if this was a full price week where before the reset, I would have these three guys, these three forwards in there. Rui Diaz is right up there as one of my must owns for the week. I don't know that budget wise you can fit him in, but oh man, I wish I could. I just think this game is ripe for Seattle to pick apart this Dallas defense. And I see good things happening. Um, if you can swing it, I think Ladero has got to be on your short list for a premium midfielder to throw in your team, but I'm not as sold on him as I am a couple of other midfielders around the league. But yeah, Rui Diaz is one of my top three forwards this week. Um, score prediction. I'm going to go ahead and say a three Oh on this one. I think this one's a clean sheet shot too. I just, I think, I think Dallas is strugg- is going to struggle. I'm not trying to read too much into the San Jose game. It's just the way they've been playing. I think they're tinkering a little bit, and it's all going to come crashing down on them. And I just think Seattle's really put it together that well now that I think they're going to be able to capitalize on the way Dallas is currently playing. I'm, again, I don't want to read too much into that San Jose game. This is all credit to the way I think Seattle's turned it around right now. All right, guys, thank you so much for those game breakdowns. Now moving on to player picks, Blaine, keepers. Um, I've got Atanella in there again. Mike. Um, right now I have Stefan and Stuver in the keeper room. That's a- uh, right now I have Stefan. If I can afford a keeper room, I would do Ramondo as the second half, but I'm not sure that's going to be possible. <laughs> Mike, defenders. All right, I have Valentin uh, Leardom uh, because he scored a goal last week or something because he, he got eight points last week. Uh, Valenzuela, and then I actually have like an Otteru with uh, Herrera back there again. Um, I have Awful, um, Valentin, or you could also uh, throw in Cascante if Valentin's not playing, but I'll probably stick with Valentin. And uh, Herrera is my third. I'll also throw out, if I can afford it, maybe a switcheroo or an auto-roo with Herrera and possibly Harvey for LAFC. He doesn't consistently start, um, and frankly, he doesn't 
consistently do well even when he does start. But LAFC, I think, does have a chance of doing you know a decent job at home against SKC, and he's only four point five. So if he does start, and you're you know watching lineups, he's one to maybe throw on the back end of maybe an auto route. Blaine. Yeah, um, starting off with uh, Offal and Cascante, they've been mentioned before. They're just, I like their price points. I think they offer just enough. And then um, I'm throwing Edgar Castillo from Colorado out there this week. Um, I looked at his numbers over the last few games, and his last five, he's got a seven, a five, a one, an eight, and a four, which isn't bad for a defender. But this is at home against San Jose, who has been kind of atrociously bad on defense lately and he likes to get forward i could easily see him getting an assist and getting some extra stuff going this week a little bit more attacking bonus points here given the matchup so i think he's going to fly under the radar he's a little bit more expensive at 6.5 but i just i think he's going to be one of those really hot defenders midfielders jessup um well i'm definitely going valeri and alessandrini and then i'm probably going keelan acosta and I think for my fourth, it's probably going to be Salouy. Is that how you pronounce that, Blaine? <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> uh, 5.9, you know, if he's starting um, a decent, you know, decent player. And for that price, you can't beat it. And you got to find those good budget people. So those are my main four. If I can, depending on how I rearrange my team, and if I find some extra money, I'd be interested in maybe adding Stiber or uh, Kralik for um, – S or RSL, but um, right now I can't afford them. So, Blaine. So yeah, Valeri is my premium pick for the week in midfield, and then I'm going with the guys who are putting up the numbers, and that's Royer for the Red Bulls, Acosta for Colorado, and Krylock for RSL. Um, I do like all three of these matchups. I think this is potential for all three of them to put up decent points. And if I were to get five or six in return for each one of these at their current prices, I will be happy. But these guys, I think Royer got two goals, Krylak got two goals, and Acosta got himself a goal. I think all three of these are going to get the full .5 increase. Just a decent balanced budget here. And I'm playing the money game on this week. But I do expect a decent return for the money I'm throwing at them. I'm just playing the value game with them more so. Mike. All right. Well, let's see. I do not have Valeri uh, in my team right now. He's kind of my second choice. Well, maybe my third choice premium mid. Um, I have Frederico Higuain um, if he plays. Um, I'll get a chance to leave. And, and to me, the Houston without a defensive uh, midfielder with Saren suspended plus a midweek game um, is a really juicy matchup to me. So I have Higuain in there. Um, I too have Kellen Acosta. But I also have Lucho Acosta from DC United. We haven't talked too much about that. But, I mean, with uh, with Rudy starting the past two games, he's gotten an 8 and a 10. So, first of all, he's due for a price rise. And I think there's a really good opportunity against the awfulness that is the Orlando City defense. Uh, and then I have uh, Alessandrini as um, my fourth midfielder in the startup. And then uh, last but not least in midfield, I had um, Busio from Sporting Kansas City on my bench as part of the Otteroo because I figure as long as he starts, he's going to get a price rise from having a goal. So that's what I got. Forwards, Blaine. Um, right now I've got Zardes in there, and then I'm flip-flopping between Rui Diaz and Slatan. 
And then I've got Patrick Mullins in there over Frederico Iguain. I'm glad you mentioned him, Mike. Um, if Mullins does get the start and Iguain is out, I think he's your perfect um, Otteru transferu option. He's only 5.5. Um, I got enough of a budget increase where I can pair him with a 6.5 to 7 million midfielder and be able to switch between the two and get some start some of the transfer shenanigans again if he's not in there i am definitely looking at Iguain as well and seeing what it could take to get it switched but yeah so those are my three up top right now mike uh i have zardes and zlatan um i had just have jackson as the um the third guy just to kind of fill out um because I have four Columbus players, so I don't have enough room for uh, Mullins. My concern on Mullins is, you know, at, at this point, you know, without seeing the lineups, um, is whether or not he starts if Higuain comes back and if Miram gets a start. Um, I, don't, I just kind of don't know what that lineup will look like, and I'm hoping to kind of do some more research. So that's where I am right now. But definitely Mullins is a great opportunity if he can afford him on the bench and have that um, fourth Columbus spot. I think that's first game of the round, too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So easy time. You don't have any of your budget locked up in players. If you see Mullins isn't there, you go ahead and get him out, make your changes, grab Iguain, whatever you want to do. It's not like you're tying up your money in somebody who may or may not play, and then you got to worry about all those switches later. Thankfully, it's first. Yes, I mean, Mullins is probably going to sub on anyway. I, I'm, I think he's going to do that at least. So he'll get some points in price increase. Sorry. No, it's uh, I'm glad to hear. Uh, I was I was waiting the whole time for Mike to talk about the hype train. You know, Patrick Mullins, <laughs> choo choo, um, choo choo. I have Zardes and Zlatan. Um, my third, I am toying with Pania. Maybe as I I, I, I kind of have the budget for it right now. I may divert some of that money to the midfield and, and pick up one of those uh, more expensive guys I mentioned and uh, switch down to Patty Mullins. Um, but like you guys said, you know, that kind of depends on what happens with um, uh, Columbus, their lineup. So definitely Zardes and Ibrahimovic and maybe Pania or Mullins is my third. All right. Captains, Mike. Zlatan. Yes, I have it on Valeri right now, but. I don't know. Mike's got me really excited about Zlatan. So uh, either Valeri or Zlatan, but probably Valeri. Can you not be excited about the Zlatan? <laughs> Blaine. Uh, right now, as surprising as it is, I have it on Zardes. Um, I think this is a chance for a Zardes hat trick. Clean sheet chances. Jessup. Um, I, I think either... Uh, Columbus, uh, Portland, and then an outside chance at either RSL or um, Seattle, I think, maybe. Uh, I've got Portland and Columbus as kind of my two heavy favorites, and then possibly outside chance with RSL and then LAFC. Mike. I've got um, Portland, Columbus, and um, Seattle. All right. Thank you so much, guys, for those player picks and game breakdowns. I hope everyone out there finds that very helpful in planning their team for this round with their slightly larger budgets than they had 
uh, previous round. Uh, community time. We'll be real quick with this one. Uh, just want to give a shout out to MLS2 Phoenix. Uh, that's uh, Kyle got uh, 101 points in the league this week. And so congrats, man, on a fantastic score right there. You beat Ben Bear. So that's that's a pretty nice. Uh, and then just going to give one last shout. Uh, we lost. So he said he was trying, but he lost. Coleman. He had a nice score. Come he on. had 68 points. So, I mean... Oh, he, he lost a point. He had a nice score before that. Oh, that score sucks. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Two people didn't even set their lineup, so, I mean, he did as well as them losing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, We're cool again. <laughs> <laughs> Calling him out. Uh, that's all that we have for the show tonight, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Again, thanks to Jessup for coming out. Let's do our plug, starting with you, Jessup. Well, special thanks to my wife, who normally doesn't listen to the pod, but I might make her listen to this one since I was <laughs> on it. And uh, she, we're uh, so sorry. She she uh, took care of putting down our eight week old uh, baby and our four year old to bed while I got to do this tonight. So thanks to her, <laughs> Mike. Um, nothing usual. Add MLS injury news. Make sure you um at me with the injury stuff. Blaine. Um, nothing special really this week. I mean, I'll go ahead and give a shout out. And Jessup could have said this one too to the Fantasy Tacos Association that we play one of our one of our leagues. Yeah. Uh, they're not ta- they're not really tacos anymore. I finished third this time around, which is yeah. we had two guys really tear it up. But I know Jessup and I got to know each other through that league and talking fantasy. Yeah, it's and, been a lot of fun. Yeah, fun fact: everybody hears about Lily on here, but Jessup's eight week old and Lily actually share a birthday one year apart. So. Cool little connection. It's been fun having Jessup on the show with us tonight. Yeah, thank you. And, of course, for myself, you can check out all the fantasy projects that I'm involved in over at r slash fantasy MLS, MLSFantasyBoss.com, and over at MLSsoccer.com in my weekly picks articles. Uh, you can also catch me uh, fairly regularly over at the United States of Soccer Sirius XM podcast with Jason Davis. Um Sometimes it's maybe when they're just a slow news day, but uh, fairly regularly over there to give you some some tips as well, a little bit closer to game days as well. Uh, but yeah, check out all those resources. It's a fantastic community that we have here. So glad that those of you who listen can be a part and share this podcast and, and just share these websites. You can get more people involved because it's a lot of fun. And as Jessup and I know with Cincinnati expansion, ever growing. That being said, good luck. <laughs>